right, let's do this. The Beaten Path Podcast, Episode 1. Our first guest has such a great story. Uh, and there's one thing he's done that 99% of us have never done. And that is that he's been on Shark Tank. So I'm super excited to have Yanis Muati, co-founder and CEO of Hotels by Day, on today. So welcome, Yanis, and thanks for being my inaugural guest here. Thank you, Anuj. It's an honor to be your first guest, and it's an honor to have your interest. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, so uh, I want to start off with that Shark Tank bit and use that to learn more about you and your journey so far. Okay. Uh, so firstly, so what was happening with your startup, and sort of what stage were you at that you thought of Shark Tank versus some other traditional way of raising money? Oh, we didn't think about Shark Tank at all. <laughs> uh, Shark Tank came to us. Wow. Uh, yes, three months into uh, our lunch, uh, the producers of Shark Tanks came over and uh, sent us an email saying that they were interested in, uh, in, in, in possibly uh, showing us uh, or starting all the paperwork to, to do an appearance on Shark Tank. And uh, when I received that email, um, the co-founders uh, were really put off by the idea. Uh, I thought it was interesting at first. Um, it was, you know, an honor, a badge of honor to be, you know, uh, invited by the producers to uh, try it out um, and to have an audience. Um, but uh, they were very put off. So I went uh, to the board of directors uh, who are somewhat conservative. Uh, rightfully so, as uh, directors should be, and uh, we passed it. One year later, almost to the dot, uh, that producer called us again. So, so what so, was it, so if I can just interrupt you for a second, so what was it about Hotels by Day that even made them come to you versus any of the other thousands of startups they could have picked from? That's actually a very good question, Anuj. Um, for the same... Um, it's essentially the same angle that at first we felt very uncomfortable with, knowing that the day room was associated with a little bit of a risque business, or at least historically in the industry, a day room was something more romantic than professional. Um, for the same reason that we felt uncomfortable with that, they were attracted by it. They thought it was... Uh, you know, shocking enough that the audience, that they would grow the audience by, you know, showcasing a company that was selling hotel rooms for the day. All right. Excellent. Um, so if you had to summarize, you know, in a few lines, your biggest learning from that experience, you know, what would you say it is? <laughs> <laughs> Not to show up at their, invi at their invitation. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, it was... Uh, it was very positive in many ways. Uh, I just didn't expect, um, you know, maybe, you know, it, it was, that's my own fault, my own sin. Um, I came in with a little bit of a chip on, on my shoulder. I was not a fan of Shark Tank. I did not see multiple seasons and episodes. And so when we were invited by Shark Tank the second time around, um, I decided to come home and do a little bit of studying by watching some episodes. And the few episodes that I um, that I saw, maybe about three or four, you know, I, I, I thought that the ideas being pitched were very basic, very um, unsophisticated in so many ways. And then I was like, oh, my God, you know, we'll come in and 
will, uh, will, will, will blow it out of the water with an idea that is highly scalable, like Hotels by Day, that can go worldwide very quickly. And so that's going to be fairly easy. So I came in with a pretty big expectation. And uh, I, uh, so we, 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 we got hit with yeah. a certain level of reality pretty quickly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and that's starting up that in, a, in a nutshell for you. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty shocking. Uh, yeah. But, but um, aside from those 30 minutes of, uh, you know, fighting and hard conversations that I had with the sharks, um, it, was not, it, it was incredibly uh, educational. Uh, incredibly interesting. Um, it, it definitely helped the company because we actually ended up appearing on TV. So it, it helped the company with its sales. Um, and last but not least, you know, it, it has given me a higher sense of respect for the sharks uh, themselves, which I thought were very sharp, very on point. Uh, and for, you know, the whole world of TV, I, I didn't expect it to be so fast going, uh, you know, aggressive, uh, uh, quick. I mean, the, everybody that works, uh, the millions of people that works around the set. I mean, it's just, it was very educational and it gave me a new sense of respect for what's going on behind the screen. So would you say that appearing on Shark Tank, you know, has been your quote unquote unfair advantage? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could say it's unfair advantage. I, I, I would call it just an, an advantage, not necessarily unfair for two reasons. One, because um, we weren't born with an invitation. We created an invitation. Uh, we create an invitation just like you create your own luck with a lot of hard work and with a little bit of timing. Uh, that's one. And two, uh, do you know, Anoush, that we had some hotels that we were pitching after or pitching the idea of, uh, you know, signing with us that were essentially telling us, um, no, um, I, I will not sign with you. I don't think it's a good idea. The sharks were right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so that was very impressive. That was like shocking to me again, where I had some I had to deal with decision makers that were making the decision based on Shark Tank and not on their real business. So that was, that was pretty, that was, that was kind of uh, unreal. Uh, it was, it was so real. It was so real. That's what it was. I bet. Um, so, so let's take like a giant step back and trace how you got to this point. Right? And so I'm going to show you that I've done my research on you. Right? Uh -oh. so, so I know you were born in Tunisia. Yeah. Like you have European parents. Yes. Uh, you came to the U.S. in your teens. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, oh, speaking of being a kid, do you remember where your first trip as a kid was and how old you were? Uh, yes. Um, uh, I have memories of going to Paris with my mother. I must have been no older than six, no older than six, possibly five. Uh, and uh, that was an absolutely mesmerizing experience. Uh, we stayed in a center of town in the little, next to a little park uh, and that every time I go back to Paris, I actually I go back to this park because it's kind of a, it, it's this little uh, corner of peace in a very busy city that very few people know of and in the, in the island of Paris uh, and uh, Place Dauphine is the place. 
Uh, I guess I'm giving it out, but right. it's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous, and it's just absolutely mesmerizing, especially when I was a kid, and um, and we stayed there, and uh, yeah, that's that's one of my earliest travel memories. Thank you for asking. So, so you know, so you had these magical experiences as a kid, you know, and you know, born in Northern Africa, you've got European parents. So, is there something that you think, you know, that about all of these things, how you were brought up, growing up in different countries, being multilingual, you know, some combination of these or life experiences that you think informs your approach to starting up? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, one thing maybe that might be my somewhat unfair advantage to use the term that you said before um, is that I have seen that for one, change is good and change will not kill you. Um, so I've experienced it firsthand by living in different countries, by coming from different environments. Uh, that does not make me a better entrepreneur than any other person out there. But it gives me a sense that um, has, um, that I felt that I, I've got nothing to fear and nothing to risk by just jumping into something, into the unknown. Uh, because I've done it in the past, so I was trained like that, ed educated rather, not trained right. into that into that spirit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Mm. Uh, and so, more that I've done research on you, so I know you were a tour guide. Mm -hmm. You did some of that for pocket money early in yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've been a travel agent. You've been a tour yeah. operator. So yes, you've been, you know, in travel for a really long time, and now you have hotels by day. Um, yeah. So, was there something that happened while you were in any of these earlier jobs that gave you inspiration for Hotels by Day, or was it something else? So. Of course. Uh, the one uh, recurrent issue was the fact that all of our guests, uh, when I was a travel agent, tour operator, or even uh, a, a tour escort, asked for flexibility at hotels that was hard to get. Um, so they wanted to check in earlier than the uh, dictated hours of 3 p.m. They wanted to check out later than, again, the dictated hours of 11 a.m. the next day. Um, and that was hard. Sometimes they even wanted a, a room for a few hours just to be able to refresh from a long flight from California. They just landed in Rome. They, uh, you know, had possibly either a bus or a car to pick up. And uh, they just wanted to refresh and take a nap, you know, Take away, shake away the jet lag, uh, and again, it was just very hard to get rooms for the day. But yet, I do remember when I was a tour escort and I was making pocket money and guiding, you know, American tourists in both France and Italy. Uh, which, by the way, that was the greatest pocket money I could ever got. <laughs> it was really, it was, it's like being tipped by Americans when you live in Italy is like, you know, godsend. Uh, but uh, especially when it was liras, uh, it was so much fun. Um, I had those tons of liras. It was, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't count them anymore. Anyway, um, so I remember, you know, leaving our tour guide, uh, our tour, our tourists as a tour guide towards, you know, maybe an excursion to the Vatican and knowing that they would be spending hours and hours on end at a certain destination, and then going back to the hotel. And during the day, those rooms was completely empty. I, I mean, I used to walk hallways full of 
of empty rooms, if that makes any sense. But there, there were plenty of empty rooms there. And yet, as a travel agent and a tour operator, when we ask for one of those rooms for the day, the hotel were telling us that they couldn't assign a room. So we understood, and I understood specifically living it, that there was a protocol problem. And so therefore, we want to create a certain level of protocol mixed with high-end technology, uh, where today, you know, we live in on-demand society, to be able to cater to this on-demand society with, uh, with our company. And so that's, that was the impetus that's, that, that launched Hotels by Day. And so how did you validate you know, the need that you saw with you know, real people and real customers? Well, very good question. Um, at first, it was an idea. Uh, it was an understanding that something was missing. It was a friction point that uh, was recurrent with our travelers. And um, during my travels back and forth, um, I also witnessed that there were various European companies that were creating a certain level of flexibility um, with the booking uh, patterns. And so uh, everything came at once, basically, you know, seeing what was done in Europe, seeing that what, what was missing in America, seeing that the global market needed something to be able to bring that flexibility to hotels that uh, were uh, stuck to an antiquated level of uh, protocol and of um, operations and technology. So all of it came together until that, uh, that moment in 2013 where I said, you know what, maybe we should do something in America. Right. Starting up, you know, of course, you know, more often than not, people I talk to have co-founders and yeah. I know you have you know, co-founders as well. So yeah. I'm always interested, you know, when people come together, especially to solve difficult problems, what is a fundamental truth that everybody agrees on? And it doesn't necessarily have to be business related, but is there some life philosophy or truth that you and your co-founders are completely in sync on that makes you know, y'all work so well as a team? Um, if I have to put one fundamental truth, as you asked it, um, between uh, the three of us that co-founded this company, uh, Brian Das, Nathan Stevenson, and I, is that we are motivated by providing something new, motivated by um, having a, an acceptance by the audience, by the public. Uh, we are very guest-centric. Uh, we are people company. And essentially, we're motivated by an excellence of customer service and uh, customer satisfaction. That's that's what motivates us. Um, so uh, that that would be what has driven us to c pursue this company, even at the hardest point, at the lowest points. And that is essentially also the way that we shape this company with the future staff and team members that come in being really, I mean, if, we forget everything um, and we focus on the customer if there's any email, any phone call, any text, any message, instant message that is being sent to us, everything else uh, it gets forgotten and gets taken care of for the guests. So we are extremely pleased to please them. 
And uh, that is the highest point of satisfaction for the three of us co-founders and eventually the team members as well. Awesome. You've also decided to do something that it feels like to me is something difficult, which is that hotels by day is essentially a marketplace, right? You need hotel rooms on one end and then you need people on the other side and you can't really get one without the other, right? So you have the quintessential chicken and egg problem because without hotel rooms, why will people come to hotels by day to book any time? And if there are no people to book those rooms, why will hotels want to you know, be featured on hotels by day? Mm-hmm. So uh, how did you solve that problem, right? Which side did you go after first and why? Uh, <laughs> the chicken or the egg, uh, I tell them it always is the egg uh, that starts first. <laughs> okay. uh, and so uh, supply. Um, obviously, supply was the first thing we needed to gather. Um, and uh, But we're... we're, we're uh, we live this duopoly of uh, demands, which is one day we are customer focused, one day we're supply focused, uh, one day we spend more time uh, convincing hotels to join us, one day we spend more time looking for how to grow our audience. Uh, so it's a, it's a two-piston uh, thinking that goes into a two-piston um, corporation and company structure which is one piston is the marketing the other piston is the tech and that's what drives uh, the cycle uh, of this engine uh, but but within uh, the two marketplace themselves yes we wear two hats simultaneously to be able to uh, convince the hotel to join us it's not easy um, you know we, we we break away we break down their protocols, we break down their operation, um, you know, patterns of having uh, rooms turned over at a certain time. Uh, we come in and we change things. And last but not least, all the technology in hospitality uh, has been uh, uh, created uh, around one center point, which is a night stay, not a day stay. So uh, the technology, everybody will claim it in hospitality, it's a little bit antiquated. And not only is it antiquated, but it is also solely focused on one singular transaction, which is a night stay. And so it takes a lot of process of selling and convincing and understanding the hotel's pain points. And it also takes a lot of process of understanding the customer's and the traveler's pain points. And we think we solve both pain points very well by meeting the two together into our marketplace. So it, it takes a lot of work, but with every day that passes, we grow stronger and we understand uh, better and better our, the needs of both our customers, the hotel and the guests. Right. So if I'm understanding correctly, so even right at the start, uh, you had to go after hotels and supply first mm-hmm. and get them on board first, right? Yeah. So, so that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, you're this new startup, right? Mm-hmm. So not only do you not have any, you know, brand recognition, reputation, heft behind you, but now you're trying to get these hotels to recognize a completely new opportunity for them as well, mm-hmm. right? So 
Uh, what have you found? I mean, I know you talked about you get them to recognize pain points, but mm -hmm. it, have you now found a pattern if you look back as to, you know, what tips them over and what convinces them mm -hmm. to say, yes, you know, this makes complete sense and this is truly an opportunity for me? Mm -hmm. uh, so you see, the environment was favorable. Um, for one, a day room is not something completely foreign to a hotelier. Uh, they've been asked many times by it. Sometimes they sell them, especially close to airports. The flexibility of different check-in, check-out is much more fluid at airports than it is in, within city centers and uh, within hotels in the city center, I meant. Um, so it's not something completely foreign that never existed and that just uh, you know fell off from you know space. Um, so the understanding of a day room was there conceptually, uh, but then when you, uh, when you when you increase the level uh, of going from concept to reality, uh, what tips them over is essentially the fact that uh, with every single year, a hotel has to outperform itself in terms of revenue, right? You need to impress your bosses or the investors or the owners of the walls of that hotel, of that property. Um, and, you know, it's hard to do. And uh, here comes a model that uh, gives you all the tools for you to, to facilitate the, an extra increase of one point into your revenue, uh, in your annual revenues, possibly even more, depending on your location, the size of hotels, the rates that you set up, the time bands that you set up. So, we make it easy for them to be able to onboard and uh, increase their revenue with rooms that would otherwise be dormant and sitting empty between somebody that checked out very early in the morning and another guest that would come in late in, at night. And so that's the current pattern of hotels everywhere. And, um, and we, were we, we came in, in uh, at, at, a good, at a good place with a good environment that allowed us to start selling it to one hotel. And then, and then you know, there's a little bit of the second... Uh, dynamic after this is so once they understand the concept the second dynamic is that once you get a few hotels then it, you get into the momentum right one follows the other right. and uh, one gets starts getting revenues they speak to other hoteliers and uh, and you get a business so at the start you being a brand new player that that was no impediment you know to your ability to sell it was an incredible incredible impediment <laughs> but it it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a total stopper um, incredible impediment because you essentially uh, you talk to hoteliers that knew your business better than yourself for one uh, that knew their business better than what you could explain how to run it uh, for a day stay um, that knew the jargon that you were not necessarily very familiar because I came from outside of the hoteliers world, right? It would have been easier if I did come from inside the front desk. I came from outside the front desk. Uh, I was a client to the front desk. I was not somebody that worked within it. Um, and last but not least, we, when we launched our business, uh, some of the major brands out there sent a circular email and letter to all their hotels uh, uh, prohibiting them from signing with hotels by day. So we had a lot of headwinds against ourselves uh, when we first launched. So how did you overcome those then? Revenue. 
uh, demand. Customer wanted. Ah, That's excellent. It. So which? And, yeah. Yeah, but that leads me to a, my exact next question, right? So how did how did you get that first customer, the hardest first one? Not only them? do I remember how I got them, but <laughs> it turns out um, ninety percent of the bookings that we got that first month were errors. People made in errors thinking they were booking the United States. The other, whatever, like little fragment of business that we had, uh, people either did not show up or it was like a, a complete mess. Um, but we launched it, um, well, we, 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 um, we supported our launch uh, with uh, press. So we talked to the press and we had an, uh, an amazing uh, PR uh, agent. Uh, she still is in within our circle, uh, not that with as much uh, impetus as before, but uh, an amazing, amazing press agent that was able to connect us with key media that uh, then communicated to the world and uh, that, that created the business. Plus there's also, you know, keyword uh, marketing, which is basically you identify the keywords that mm. are associated to your business and the, anybody that searches on Google or any type of search engine, you make your, you make sure that you, you list yourself within the first listing so that people would be curious enough to go in. And uh, if you have a good website and a good app and all that jazz, if you present yourself uh, correctly, then you'll get some bookings. So this uh, is, yeah, this is really interesting because you know, the traditional advice that you read is, you know, don't focus on PR and press early. And, but you seem to have done that. Uh, and so w why did you, you know, decide to go down that path versus some other more you know, organic route? Well, um, for one, I would say that uh, that traditional thinking is correct. Uh, if I had to do it again, maybe I would have delayed the PR by a month or two so that we get um, a, a, a better understanding of our business and possibly, you know, have the PR reach and the breadth of communication of that PR work, have it possibly with more hotels on board by that time and a better understanding of the business, etc. But, you know, you could also make the argument that maybe even if we launched PR six months into it, uh, I would have three years afterwards, like I am today, would have said, oh, maybe it would have been better a year afterwards so that we essentially convert better. But long story short, uh, we wanted, we did it right away uh, for many reasons. One is because lack of experience uh, and lack of understanding um, of what was going on out there. So we that you know we we just wanted to you know obviously associate a launch with a big bang that's you know the first idea of you know running a right. lunch right uh, the second thing is that we were extremely impatient and excited uh so we wanted that uh, that that pr momentum um and three uh we wanted to corner the market as quickly as possible uh, so that the idea that we knew had, uh, you know, somewhat of a low barrier of entry, especially for the Expedias of this world, would feel like, oh, here's a player um, that we should possibly communicate with and converse with instead of just trying to mimic and reproduce the business altogether and kill them in their egg, in the, in the egg shape that they are still within the womb, right? 
Right. Uh, so, uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. So we, we thought about launching PR as quickly as possible. Okay. So, so the other takeaway I got from here is that you did a lot of paid marketing early, right? Whether it was a PR agent or yeah. you're doing search engine marketing or search engine optimization early, yeah. uh, which, you know, also traditional advice, you know, tends to go, you know, bootstrap, try to do things for as little money spent as possible and then spend yeah. money after the launch. Uh, yeah. So is, is there uh, a balance, I guess, you know, for if you are going to spend money and early uh, that you can strike and conditions that tell you that it is a good idea to spend a certain amount of money early uh, versus just taking it the completely bootstrapped route. So um, now that we are opening new markets, we are doing a gradual work of penetration. So in that sense, we are following the bootstrap philosophy of, you know, testing the waters, putting a little bit of money here, increasing the amount of budgets that we are uh, assigning to marketing in one specific city, region, country, you know, continent, whatever it is. Um, we, again, I'll go back to my, you know, explanation as earlier is that we sin out of uh, not knowing at all. We, uh, right. we, 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 look, you know, here's the thing. When you have an idea, and then you're the three of, of yous, you know, knocking your heads together for many months to put that idea on paper, creating decks, uh, going to investors, um, having, you know, some investors refusing, not some, a lot, refusing to uh, invest in your company because they might think, oh, that's not big enough or that's not... Uh, you know, I, I need to see bigger numbers for me to be excited by the investment of this. You start drinking a Kool-Aid, okay? <laughs> right. And you don't stop. And it took years to get that Kool-Aid and that detoxing of that Kool-Aid out of my body and my mind and my thinking. Um, you, you know, come in thinking that you'll change the world. And everybody wanted us to be the Uber of something. And um, so you 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 follow uh, with a certain I, I, look, Anush. I remember coming out of meetings saying to myself, or turning around to my coworker and say, and my and my co-founder say, are we really gonna do this? I mean, seriously, are, are we gonna be able to like sign five thousand hotels in six months? You know, uh, it's just like you don't see it, but there's like you start with one and then. You, you grow, that seed grows into two, three, four, and like suddenly you're selling a model that's going to change the world and that's going to be huge. And, you know, and it's great because big ideas generate, you know, eventually big returns. And so that's really good. But, uh, you know, if you ask me why did we launch so much PR and so much money at first, it's because of that. Yeah. So um, would you say then, you know, given where you are right now, that, uh, PR, press, and uh, whatever keyword optimization you do for search engines is your primary user acquisition channel right now? Or it has it changed? Or has the mix or the balance changed in any way? Uh, can I take a joker card and not answer this one? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, no, the reason uh, I'm asking you, right, and yeah. this is, you know, before we 
you know, did this yeah. uh, recording yeah. in our conversation, I'd mentioned right, that user acquisition is that huge yeah. problem for travel startups. Yes. Uh, right. And so uh, you are bound to run into that as well. Mm -hmm. So look, um, we try to be as innovative with our thinking as possible. We try to be as clever uh, without being clever and a half. Uh, and we test out various possibilities um, of different solutions, different ideas, different communication uh, threads and messages. But at the end of the day, um, what gives you tested returns is the fact that, yeah, you would invest a certain amount of money on keyword marketing, you would invest a certain amount of money on newsletters, uh, money and time, by the way, you would invest a certain amount of money and time in um, optimization of your website by blogging, by stories, by engagement with the audience. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess we're following a certain path of, uh, that is formulaic uh, of returns in uh, marketing investments. Uh, but at the same time, you, you push yourself to do something different. And uh, I, I think that the fact that our business runs in a different way, our model is a different story altogether than the night's day, um, it has also given us wings in the sense that people discover it and people usually speak about it and they refer their friends and their family and their uh, traveler companion and their business companion and their personal companion. Um, and, uh, and, and we see with each passing month that our organic growth is actually getting stronger. Excellent. Mm. And so with all this growth, you know, there are still challenges, right? So what would you say your biggest growth challenge right now is? When I go back to, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my interpretation of our business where it's a, it's a piston that uh, works on uh, both tech and marketing, uh, the challenge is to be um, in having tech that does not break down, <laughs> for one. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, and the challenge is um, having a really good idea, like selling a hotel room for the day, that everybody, when they first hear about it, they are stunned sometimes, uh, wide-eyed often, and didn't know it existed. And so to be able to communicate to more and more people, um, and so therefore the, the challenge is, lies here, I guess. Um, communication is extremely expensive, and our model is um, somewhat limited in its return. Uh, in, when you compare us to another channel that would sell hotel rooms, other channels would sell for an average length of stay of two nights at the highest night rate. But our model is about selling a day stay, which is essentially a half a cart, and you you know get a return on on a on a smaller product. So it's new. You need to communicate, but you're limited by budget and by returns of it. So um, so it takes longer to get there to that final frontier, um, and uh, getting funding for that sometimes might be a little bit. Um, challenging because you are being squeezed in an environment in which you're squeezed. I think that's a very big challenge. Yeah. yeah. And is there anything you can share about 
something you're doing to tackle it that you've seen some good signal on? Yes. Um, we tackle it by focusing on the human, the person that we want to please uh, by being a people company, by um, creating a culture in our company that um, nothing's too small, no communication is too silly. Um, we create this culture of wanting to um, outdo ourselves and being extremely honest with each other, which then leads us to be honest with ourselves, which leads us to be honest with the communication to the hotels, not trying to outsell them something, um, where at first we kind of got into that position, right? Because we were trying to impress them with nothing. Uh, but now we tell them straight what they're going to get, whether they like it or not. We tell them straight. Uh, the the you know the the, the 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 type of business the protocols that they have to set and all that stuff so essentially creating this culture of open transparency honesty um, is giving us wings literally Anuj uh, and we feel that we're here to solve travel pains for a lot of customers that travel or a lot of customers that want a place to rest a place to shower for a few hours. Uh, a place to meet in privacy, a place to work in privacy as well. And so we're so pleased to do that for them. And we're so pleased to bring in additional revenue. And we are um, we have this philosophy of transparency that uh, we communicate to everybody that we talk to. Um, does that make sense? Does that yes, no, no, I think so. I think so, because uh, I think that this human and or humanistic approach is probably going to be table stakes moving forward you know everybody wants to be treated you know the way you would treat friends and family and not just as some other person that you're trying to take advantage of you know or leverage you know in business so mm -hmm. i i think uh, it's going to take a while for many businesses to get on board with this approach and mm -hmm. but having it right now i i believe is a competitive advantage I think so too, Anuj, especially also when you hear the history of um, on online travel agent like we are, right? It's called an OTA. Right. Um, <clears throat> when you read the history and the, the current atmosphere between a hotel and a platform that sells hotel rooms, <clears throat> you realize that there's a huge level of uh, mistrust between the two. Right. Um, you know, those platforms that came in, like the Expedia, the Priceline, the Booking.com of this world that came out uh, in early 2000s, uh, came in possibly a little bit too greedy in an environment in which the hotel was totally um, unsophisticated in technology. And so there was, I, I believe, a time in which there was a little bit of an abuse of trust and power. Um, and we come in with a different philosophy. And so when uh, hoteliers and customers um, understand who we are and have that feeling uh, when they communicate to us, the moment of um, being antagonizing disappears and it's a collaborative spirit. Um, and when they compare us versus our competitors, whether it's a you know very close competitors that does something close to us or a wider competitor of a night stay operator, 
they realize that they're talking to a different type of company. I think that's the advantage. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I suspect that when people hear this, it will be a pretty unexpected thing to hear, to be honest. Okay. Uh, and which got me thinking, you know, in a completely tangential direction as you were talking, uh, which is now, now that you've had this experience, you know, with Hotels by Day so far, what's been the most unexpected part of it for you? Uh, that that gets me thinking. Um, two parts. One, about myself. Um, I I didn't know I could be working so much. I <laughs> 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 still have somewhat of a sanity, uh, still a thread of it at least, holding on. Um, the unexpected level of growth in being an entrepreneur is absolutely phenomenal and uh, I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, uh, and the unexpected also is seeing that the the world kind of moves in patterns uh, and you know you have a conversation with uh, investors or people professionals of, of many sorts and usually they kind of give you the same story of how you need to grow how you need to move how you need to do fast and all that stuff it's the back to that you know Kool-Aid that everybody's drinking and then what's unexpected to me is to be able to unexpectedly take a step back and look at what's going on and look at what you're producing and be proud of it instead of wanting to you know run faster um, and take a slower approach on things and focus on the human as I said before uh, that was an unexpected turn in our company because it, it's not how we created it and that was that wasn't the impetus behind that company at first yeah no I love that and uh, you know this you know, makes me want to throw the entire script out of questions I had for you. And, oh. and I'm only going to ask you personal questions now. Right? And, and I think that might be a good way to, you know, ease, ease our way out of the show. Uh, okay. Which is, you no. Know, so you said something about, you know, you, you work so hard and, you know, for so long uh, mm -hmm. and still keep your sanity. Now, I, I know you're married. Uh, so, yep. you know, what's sort of, you know, what's the role your partner has played, you know, in any professional success you've had so far? Wow, uh, tremendous role. Um, um, Alex, my wife, has been so tolerant, so patient, so understanding of what I'm going through. Um, and that sometimes coming back at night and being completely unbearable. <laughs> uh, I uh, wonder sometimes just staring at her. I was like, how is it that you support me, uh, and, you know, emotionally and, 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 you know, at first financially as well. Um, so, uh, no, she's absolutely crucial to uh, the success of our company. And the, the, the fact that uh, I still have sanity, uh, I, I would have, some people might, might do it, but I would have never been able to create what I'm creating without her support. Yeah, no way. Yeah. And I promise you, I wasn't paid to ask you that question. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> um, um, Thank you. And uh, it also got me thinking, you know, about 
you know what, what you're trying to do right you know is, is create something that is long term and you know, memorable for people thank you um, yes and I, do. I know you told me about one memorable travel experience you had which was your first one um, is there another one that you'd consider to be your most memorable travel experience oh um, yes Switzerland <clears throat> so again you have to understand, I come from an environment, I was born and raised in an environment where in the south of us there was desert, in the north of us there was sea. Uh, so we're stuck between a very, you know, uh, infertile, very dry type of, uh, you know, environment. Uh, just a little stretch of land that was a little bit green at times during the year. Uh, and then blue sea, blue ocean, uh, Mediterranean right in front of you. Um, and uh, so that was my raising and my growing up and uh, the sun and the colors were very powerful and they would make your eyes squeak because the sun was just so shiny everywhere uh, and the colors were so bright and there's a lot of white and blue just like in Greece by the way so it reverberates to your eyes and that's where I come from and then you know I once a year my mother and I my mother would take me to uh, trips to Europe and uh, we went one summer in Switzerland that uh, funny enough today in, in, in the latest years of my life uh, they actually those memories actually jump back into the back of my mind and, and I wake up sometimes with those memories in, in mind that they're very vivid where I was totally forgotten for a while uh, so thank you Anoush for again asking about those uh, but I remember going to Switzerland and seeing a level of vegetation I've never experienced before with my first squirrels. I've never seen squirrels before. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and, and having those long walks with her and her friends and me just trailing behind as a kid um, into forests, forestry, and coming into those green areas with park benches and uh, communal tables in in in, uh, in in hilly mountainous Switzerland where then there was uh, you know a summer fondue or whatever cheeses and whatever food that was it was just amazing I've never experienced that and I want to go back to Switzerland I haven't been to Switzerland in decades and I want to go back just to experience that that aroma of freshness that I've never had to deal with when I was growing up in Tunisia <laughs> no and I'm really glad you're saying this right because you know, too often people get caught up in a top 10 list of things to see and do somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, and think that that's a great trip when in reality it may just be spending time in a park or yeah. you know, walking up a hill or smelling some flowers and okay. it's who you're with, you know, when you're doing all of this that makes it special versus some sort of checklist that you think you've got to get through so you can post it on Facebook. Mm. Uh, you've been flattering me with compliments, Anoush. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm blushing. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank All right. You uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple of last rapid fire questions before we wrap this up. Go ahead. All right. So I know you like whiskey. Yes. Yeah, so what's, wow. your, what's your favorite whiskey? <laughs> uh, so the name escapes me right now, but it's Scottish whiskey and um, so I, uh, 
gosh, the the name is very difficult. It's kind of complicated. It's Berberine, Barberine. Ah, oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, can't. No, that's it's Scottish. <laughs> it's Scottish. And guess what? It's 24 years old. Oh, that's awesome. It was an absolutely stunning discovery the first time I drank it. All right. So yeah. you know, whoever's listening, you know, 24-year-old Scottish whiskey. Beer Hyben. Beer Hyben. The, Scot- the, the, the whiskey taster and the whiskey connoisseurs will know which brand I'm, I'm talking about. I'm sure they're shouting it uh, <laughs> right. right now while they're listening to this podcast. Yeah. All yeah. right. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I've never tried it, so it's going to be next on my list. Okay. Um, and uh, last question for you is, uh, do you have a favorite travel hack? Uh the favorite travel hack. <laughs> uh, well, let's say the travel, favorite travel spirit, if I may say so, uh, instead of a hack. Um, I love to land in places with no idea of what I'm going to do the next hour. Uh, possibly even no idea of which hotel I'm going to book. And uh, no definite idea of where I'm going to be. That's my spirit when I travel. Uh, which is sometimes anti, uh, and then uh, again, it goes a, a little bit against the planning that my wife does. So we find a middle of the road where we know we are going to have our first night uh, settled somewhere, and then we just go on an adventure and try to see uh, and find uh, everything without reading anything, just by feeling, touching, seeing, and uh, and tasting. Um, that's 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 the way we travel. That's the way we like to travel. So. Not so sure it's a hack, but it's a, it's a philosophy. Well, but, uh, and I'll thank you for not saying that you don't know where you're going to spend your afternoon. Uh, and so you, <laughs> you pull out an app, you know, called Hotels by Day and figure it out. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. I, I can, I'm such a bad CEO. I should, I should have done a, a plug-in. Right. Yeah. But uh, speaking of that, so how can our you know, my listeners keep in touch with you? Um, where can they reach you? Where should they find out more about you? Sure. Uh, well, there's a, a text uh, message uh, uh, or the, the text phone number on the bottom of our website. But texting comes to me. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. So I'd like to keep that text. I, I feel comfortable with the texting and we're very transparent on the website. Anybody can reach uh, anybody in the company. All right. So and that is hotelsbyday.com. Thank you. Uh, and you also have apps on iOS and the Play Store. Yes. All right. So this was awesome. Uh, and I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this, you know, I think got a really good sense of what it takes, you know, to have a startup in the travel space. And not only from a professional perspective, but even what kind of personality, you know, and attributes as a person you might need to have to succeed in this space. And uh, thank you very much for your kind words and for your extremely interesting question and challenging so thank you for that it was a great time and if you had a great time listening to this interview then please subscribe to the beaten path podcast on itunes or google play and i'll see you on the next episode